This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There we go. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Uh, a special thank you to all those that participate in the Torah Anytime um, uh, campaign, which is a huge, huge, uh, uh, you know, thing. And if you didn't, you could still donate to uh, Torah Anytime. You know, there's there's a few organizations that I promote very heavily because I strongly believe in them. Uh, obviously, Torah Anytime is on the top of, of that list. There's there's a, there's only a few that I really uh, are. I'm intimately involved, so I know. Um, uh, so again, uh, if, if anybody hasn't donated, even though the campaign is over, there's no reason why you shouldn't uh, donate. I was looking and I was actually quite surprised. Uh, if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, Torah Anytime had a uh, campaign where they raised successfully, Bo Hashem, uh, over $3 million. There's a lot of things that are happening. There's a new website that you guys can uh, go and uh, check it out now. If you guys, uh, it's it's actually, I mean, it's not live yet in the regular TorahAnytime.com, but if you go to new.torahanytime.com, you can uh, pull up the new, uh, you can pull up the new website. To see how it uh, how it's going to look and how it, you can actually use it, you know, as of as of now. But it, one of the things that kind of you know struck at me is that Torah Anytime has tremendous amount of users. Like like there's there's huge huge volumes of of users. I'm not talking about tens of thousands. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands. Right? There's tremendous amount of users. And I was looking at the total number of donations, and there was a little between eight and nine thousand. I think is is where the number is is at. And I was wondering, I'm like, you know, trying to think about it. And I know we all get bombarded with different things of like, you know, donations and things like that. But when you're utilizing a certain program or organization, I'll give you an example. When I said my story with my eye thing and I had Hatsala come over, uh, when Hatsala did their, uh, you know, their, their, uh, raise-a-thon, whatever it is that they, Hatsala-thon, you know, I gave towards obviously the people actually that, you know, that came because I utilized their services. But when I was thinking about that, like, how come Torah Anytime doesn't have, you know, like they should, they should be able to raise that money so easily, so quickly, like everybody uses, like every, like if you're listening to this right now and you're not like here, chances are you're listening to this on TorahAnytime.com. So you're like, people are so, and, and it's funny that I'm saying this now because the campaign is over, even though you can still donate, but the campaign is really over. But, but when you think about it, I'm like, why is it that you have so many people that visit, view, use this organization, yet not that many people, uh, you know, donate? And, you know, at Baruch Hashem, I had this chus, and I have to thank, uh, you know, Shimon and Ruben Koyakum and the entire, uh, you know, Torah Anytime, uh, you know, team for allowing me this chus to be part of the campaign in the, um, in the live event. I don't know, whatever, whatever it's called. And this is something that I mentioned right when I came on. And that was that, you know, to donate to certain causes, to learn Torah, to like, to do certain amount of good, you have to have the schus. You have to have the merit. And, you know, I, I went into like, the, the studio was unbelievable. There was like a bunch of different rooms over there. And like the, one of the back rooms, I was there. I was like, you know, like how many people are, you know, are viewing, you know, this live event. And you're talking about in the tens of thousands of people are viewing the live event more than the donations, you know, that just just came in just for that, uh, um, you know, for that day. 
And, you know, I came to the conclusion, really, it, it, it's, it's a, something that's so phenomenal that if you have the ability to learn, if you have the ability to, to donate to certain organizations, certain causes, that's a merit that you had. Like, we think, okay, we're doing them a favor. We have to really, it, it's all from, from Hashem, it's all from Hashem, but if you have the ability that you're able to, to donate or to give or to listen or to learn or to be a part of some sort of organization, you have to stop for a second and realize this is a schuss, this is a merit that I have. This is not something that I deserve. This is not something that I need thanks from them because I gave them money. This is something that it's that that I, I need to have a certain amount of merit to be able to participate in that. And that's why you see so many people that there that just like flies over their head. It, there's just no there, there's a certain schuss that you that you do need. But anyways, uh, there's a lot that I could speak about this, but there's a lot that I want to speak about tonight. So we're gonna, uh, you know, uh, pass, uh, you know, through this. But uh, let, let us let us get, uh, you know, rock and rolling in today's uh, class. Today we are tonight we are learning ben ben and of course to Yerachmiel Gershon ben Tzvi Yehuda, Gershon Edelstein, who a gadol adar that was nifter this this past week. We should also learn for a fourth lemma for Fall Chaim Meir ben Sima. Chasha and oh wow the Sunday is a year out of Gilad Naftali and Eliyahu um, uh, um, Ayal okay uh, yes I, I don't know if you know their names but uh, we would love to uh, say that okay uh, there's another name over here I'm not going to say because I don't know if you're referring to Rafur Shlema or Lilu Nishmas so I don't want to assume one way or another okay so oh and here's a, okay you know what um, I want. There's a, there's comments that came in, but I want to I want to address that afterwards. Okay, let's let's get let's get started. So uh, so, so tonight we're continuing on the Perkei Avos, and the way that we're going to be doing the Perkei Avos, I you know once I started this series, I was like mm, I don't know maybe I'll just do it for Shavuos and then we'll see maybe we'll take it on further. But as I as I continue to learn it now, there's always a difference when you learn Perkei Avos. Now I've taught Perkei Avos before, but. Uh, when, whenever I come and I prepare a class that, you know, and I gotta give this, this is another thing to tell anytime, and I believe it was mentioned on the live event that when you give a class and it gets recorded, there's a different level of preparation that you have to do, that you should do, or maybe you shouldn't do, <laughs> but I do, alright, maybe it's my, it's my, uh, defect or my deficit, but, uh, so, so, you know, throughout the years, Barksham, I had this class to, to be able to give the Perky of this, you know, quite, quite often, um, especially during the time between, uh, Pesach but when I started giving the class, I started, you know, I, I, I take it very seriously and I started, you know, going through a bunch of sparring to go. And and just to give you an example, on Perke Elvis, I... I I probably have over 20 Svarim on Perushim, on Perkeavas that I go through. So every Mishnah that we speak about, I go through about 20 plus Svarim. That's not including other sources. That's just Perkeavas Perushim that I, uh, that I go, that I go through. And the more that I learn it, the more that I prepare for these classes, the more that I realize the utmost importance that this, uh, the, these types of classes have because in in a sense, these classes are are really it, it's a it's a series of classes that I wanted to give, and I'll tell you something very interesting that the way that I wanted my series to work. So I have you know the divinity proving a kaddish baruch Hu, and I have the thirteen principles of faith, and I have the Muna series, and I had a whole plan that I wanted to do it in a certain way. And then in, in the slot that we are the like right here now, I should have been started the tefillah series. That's what I really wanted to do. And the series after the Tefillah series was supposed to be a series in my plan, in my plan, I plan Hashem laughs, right? My plan to uh, do a series on Midos, on, on character development. 
And what ended up happening is I'm not ready yet. I don't feel, you know, like if you think I have a lot of sperm for, for Perkyavas, I probably have double amount of that that I went, that I'm, that I'm planning on going through and I'm in the middle of going through for Tfila. So like the, uh, you know, the plan that I had was to do first Tfila and then Midos and then learn about that. But look at how Kedush Baruch was sort of like, it wasn't even, to, to the sense that I wasn't even planning on speaking about Midos, but the, obviously Perkeva speaks about Midos. But the more and the more that I'm learning about it, the more and more I see that really the series that I wanted to give later is actually coming in, you know, it's coming in now. So for, for obvious good reasons, because, uh, Midos is huge. Like if you want to be a good person, both spiritually, physically, emotionally, in all aspects, Midos is the way to go. Like me, this is like a thing that is, that is a huge focus. And the more that I learn about this, the more that I'm thinking like, why did I not speak about this earlier? That's like where, where I'm holding. The problem that many of us have when we look at a series of Perkelvis is be like, oh, well, I, you know, I learned this already. Like I've done it already. So I, I can't emphasize it, it enough on the importance, not only if you learned it, not only if you memorized it and all the 200 plus, you know, Perushim on it. I can't emphasize on how important, how important it is. And in fact, you know, in the first, uh, you know, Mishnah and Perak Elvis, which we're still on, by the way, and uh, I don't know what, what is the number four of this, uh, this, this class, but the, the Maral asks, why is it that the first time where we have the, the Perak Elvis starts speaking about uh, you know, like, like the, the, the advice that our sages give, right? The, the ethical advice that our sages only starts from Anche Knesses Hagdola, right? So the first, the first Mishnah we started off, which we spoke about in the previous class, Moshe gave the Torah Moshe got the Torah from Sinai, gave it to Yeshua, Yeshua gave it to the Zakanim, Zakanim came to the Vim, the Vim gave it to the Anche Knesses Hagdola, and then the Mishnah says, Hey Mamru, they said, Shashadvarim. So the first part where the, the, the Mishnah speaks about the people that gave the wise, it, it's very interesting, says the Maral, you don't see Moshe Rabbeinu used to say, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeshua used to say, the Nevi'im used to say, focus on this. The the way Pirkei Yavah starts is from Anche Knesset Hagdola. So why is it from Anche Knesset Hagdola, not earlier? So the Maral answers that the earlier generations, before Anche Knesset Hagdola, before the, the um, uh, you know, Anche Knesset Hagdola, literally the transla- translation would be the uh, the men of the great assembly, they, um, they, they, the people got their, their musr, the ethical, uh, you know, un- you know, like, <clears throat> whatever it is the word that I'm looking for is, through directly through the Torah, meaning that they were on such a high level that they didn't need people used to like to, you know, now we, we have guidance and how we have to focus on what we have to do. You know, you go and you speak to a God, so you have to focus on this. They came with, there was a point in time where the Eklatsha was on such a high level that they got that directly from the Torah. But by the time that Anche Knesset Agdola came around, the generations were, you know, the, 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 uh, the, there's something called Yerida Sadoros that every generation slowly, unfortunately, we go further and further, we, we fall further and further away spiritually to the level that we have. And that's why you look at, like, let's say, for example, Rav Gershon Adelson, that was Nifto, you know, now at the age of 100, who do we have, like Rav Gershon Adelson, he was the Rosh Shiva of Panovich. Who do we have in that level? We lost Rav Chaim Knievsky last year. Who do we have in those levels? At every generation, we feel like we lose more and more. Of course, we have Gedalim. And of course, we have people that we could look up to, but to the same level that we used to have, it goes slowly, slowly down. And that's why by the time the Anche Knesset came, there was a need to like, okay, here's, now I have to direct you. And by the way, if you want to know when Anche Knesset came about, this was founded by Ezra. So this is, you're talking about in the time of the beginning 
of the second base Amigdash. The beginning of the second temple is when Anche Knesset, this is when it, when, when Pirkei Avu started was the beginning, well, I said started, when, the, when the, uh, I guess the first, you know, uh, um, you know, guidance that came out by, by the people obviously was through the Torah and obviously was to Altar and Messina, which is something that we spoke about before, but that started by the beginning of the second base Amigdash because we were already going on a, uh, on a lower level. So what does this tell us? This tells us that, you know, many times you have people that think, okay, you know, I don't need extra learning in this area. I learned already Perkei Avos. I'm good in this area. I don't need to learn about this. If in the time from the time of the second base amygdala, people needed it, guess what? You need it. If you're listening to this, you need it. There's no like, oh, you know, like, no, no, no. And if you're not listening to this, you probably need it even more. All right? That's the highest level. You know, like what they say, um, you know, how do you know who's going to be a good teacher or who's going to be a good leader? The people that don't want to be a good, that don't want to be teachers, the people, well, I shouldn't say that. People that don't want to be leaders, but they get appointed leaders, those are the good leaders, right? Those are the ones. The people that want to be leaders, the people, those are the ones that, you know what, we, we don't need you. You're like, we're going to get somewhere else. And that's why, you know, people are asking, so who's going to be the next Gadol? Like, after Reb who is going to, Reb Gershon Edelstein was like the de facto Gadol Adar after Reb Chaim Kanievsky was, was, was Nifter. And even if I believe, even Reb Chaim Kanevsky said that he's the God Older. Reb Chaim Kanevsky, I believe Reb Chaim Kanevsky said that by, of, of Reb Gershon Edelstein. So when you, you, you look about like who's going to be the next God Adar, the next God Adar is not going to be someone who's going to be like, okay, I'll be voted in. You know, like the next God Adar will be somebody that gets, you know, appointed, you know, by whatever, you know, however, you know, the system, you know, works. So what we see over here is that something as important as morality, of ethics, becoming a, a, a good person, there is not one person on planet Earth that doesn't need it. There's not one person that can grow from it and can't, but, but I'll tell you a step further. The reason why this is so important is that this will make your life better with your relationships, with yourself, with your self-esteem, in all aspects. This is like the all-encompassing, like, like self-help book, safer, you know, like direction. So, Okay, with that being said, the now I realize I probably shouldn't have taken this big, huge mug to drink because it's literally bigger than my head. Um, sometimes, you know, you take some of them small classes and you feel like a giant. I feel like a toddler drinking in this, like, you know, it, it with like a, this is how a toddler feels with a, uh, you know, like a coffee, a coffee cup. Okay, water, good stuff. <clears throat> or vodka, I don't know, depending on what you think it is. Anyways, so, oh, I should do that, right? Okay, anyway, so now, when, when we look at the first Mishnah in Perkei when you look at the, um, the terminology that the, that the Mishnah uses, it starts off saying, Him Amrush They said three things. The question that comes up and asks, we could count, right? They said three things. So have a misunim, but let me let me actually translate what they said. Let me tell you what they said. Uh, so so the What did they say? Have but then be deliberate in judgment. and produce, make many students. The and make a fence for the Torah. So the three things, right? Be deliberate in judgment. Make you know pr- produce a lot of students and make a fence around the Torah. But the question that gets asked can be like. If you're telling me, okay, there's 48 ways to, you know, receive the Torah. There's 48 ways to get the Torah. I understand you have to, you know, you have to put the number out there. I'd be like, okay, so I can know how many there are. But if you're talking about like one, two, or three, like, 
I can count. I can see it. I don't need to be able... You don't have to tell me, oh, by the way, they said three things, and these are the three things. Just tell me the three things. I can count. I can see it. It's three things. So rather, this is an important lesson that the, the Mishnah is teaching us, is that generally, the way that Perkei works is that every Mishnah, generally, there's always exceptions to the rule, are, are focusing on a specific lesson. And they're all, and even if they tell you a lot of things in the Mishnah, it's focusing on one thing. But over here, when it's saying three separate things, it means that these things are not necessarily connected. These are three things that the Antichrist Zagdola, they, they, they came to the conclusion that these are the things that people need to, uh, need to think about, need to work on, need to, you know, uh, you know, focus on. Now, the, when you, when you come and you think about it, right? When you, like, you're talking about leaders of generation that among them there were many prophets. They, if they were, you were to ask them, okay, give me the three top things. Like, what should we focus on? Would this be your three top things? Like, having the sunnah, but then be deliberate in judgment? Really, to be deliberate in judgment is something that is for judges. Uh, is for rabbis. Okay, that technically for everybody, but like, would this be like the first Mishnah? I mean, you think about that, you ever thought about that? You open up Perkeavos, you open up the Book of Ethics, and it, and, and the first Mishnah seems like, alright, this is, you know, like, is it really related to me? Like, you know, like, whatever. Okay, fine, for the judges, for the rabbis. This Mishnah is for them. Let me skip on to the next one. And we kind of like skim through, uh, you know, to the next one, but there's so many important lessons in the first Mishnah that we have to really delve on we have to really focus. Now, the first part, having a student badin to be deliberate in judgment and in, 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 in judging, this is something that there is two aspects to look at. There is the aspect in really in judges. Really, it's meant for judges, right? A, a judge comes to the case. Be deliberate. What does the be deliberate mean? I mean, don't jump to conclusion. Focus, look, be, look at all the evidence and then come to your conclusion. Don't just jump to it. And then there is also a personal judgment because everybody judges to a certain extent. Now, the way that I planned, so uh, just just give you a little bit of background uh, for for all those who don't know my process. So what I do is 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 the way. How do I prepare a class? Is I I gather a bunch of information, right? Most of my stuff is not my chedushim, right? What I do is I gather a bunch of information. I take, I look in a bunch of svarim on a particular topic, and once I get that, that, that information, so I put it in my notes, right? I have a whole slew of notes of all the information that I gathered. So I have all this information in my, in, you know, in my notes, and now comes what I feel is sometimes the hardest part, is organizing it. Because now that you have the information, it's about delivering the information in a smooth way, and in, in something that you're able to understand, in a in, in a process that it's continuous, that you're able to like connect one thing to another. And this is something like, at times, if I would have like you know these mad scientists that have these see-through glass. Uh, like tables that they write formulas and then they flip it over and then they write on the other side. If I were to have something like that, it, it would, it, it would look like a mad scientist because I would have something over there and then I would circle and then I, the way that I do it is I take, I have my stuff and I'm constantly moving things around and I'm constantly shifting. Okay. This should be over here. And then I'm like, no, I'm thinking about it. No, like this has to go over here. And I, until I come with Seattle Dishmaya, if it's good and if it's my fault when it's bad, which is also Seattle Dishmaya, I come to the final, you know, you know, the, where, where the class is ready to be, uh, to be given. And, um, when I was going in this, in this particular topic, having misunum but then be deliberate in judgment. There's two aspects that I wanted to speak about. Aspect number one is for the judges, which is there's a lot of impartial that speak about it. Aspect number two is the personal judgment that we make. Now, the way that it would make the most sense, 
the way that would be the most proper is to speak first about the judges and then speak about the personal judgment that we make. But then, and that's the way I kept it. But then I started thinking, and I'm like, you know, the problem is, is what happens if you learn something and then you start thinking, wait a minute, this is not applicable to me. I don't have this issue. So you start thinking, spacing out. You'd be like, okay, let me wait until this person starts speaking something that's applicable to me. And that's why where you have, you know, uh, if, if you hear a rabbi's, you know, speech and then the, if the rabbi sees that people are spacing out, sometimes they'll speak about dating, about marriage, about children because everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty bad in that. So like, yeah, we should probably focus on that. And, you know, like just to like reel you in back. Sometimes that's a focus of the class. Sometimes it's just like reel you in. So the judgment part, I was like, if I start off with the judgment, with, you know, like being a judge, you know, like a, and judging people, people are going to be like, I'm not a judge. You know, I didn't even go to law school. You know, like, I, like, what do I need to even do that? Even though that's not the judge that we're talking about. <clears throat> so they, you know, like they would go off. They were, they were just like, you know, let me whistle. My lips are so dry, I can't even whistle. <whistles> no, can't do it. Not even going to try anymore. Right? You go to Never Never Land, right? You start, you know, you're flying. You're flying out there. Uh, you're, you're with Peter Pan. You're done. You're, like, gone. And then when it times come, you're, like, all lost. So what I did was is I kept on switching back, kept on switching forth. And now I decided I'm going to go with personal judge, the personal, uh, you know, judging first. And the only reason, and I'm telling you this for a reason, the only reason why I'm going this first is to realize that later when we speak about judges that are judging, you'll realize how much is applicable to you. Because we'll start off with a personal thing. Okay. So now, the um, the idea of us being judges and, uh, you know, everyone says, I'm not judgmental. I'm so accepting of everyone. You know, like, that's nice. Keep on saying that and keep on believing that. But let me tell you something to me and you. You, you judge, like... I don't know if you're uh, probably a thousand times a day, like without it, like you, we constantly, it could be subconscious. It could be that without even thinking, like we're constantly, we're, you know, like we're constantly judging people, but now like we're looking at them and be like, okay, judges. Uh, well, assuming if you have a split personality, you, you know, don't hello judges. Yes. Yeah, assume they're, they're all my personalities. What do you think about this person who's dressed not like me? Either they're a guy, either they're, you know, like dressed like a, like, a, you know, unfortunately went off the data or they're fanatics. Cause I can't believe they're wearing those type of stockings. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what they're wearing. You know, cause how does, how does everything in life work? I'm perfect. Everybody to the right is a fanatic. I don't know what they're thinking about. God doesn't want that. Everybody to the left is barely Jewish because how is it possible that you think that God wants you to behave like that? I am the focal point and you have to focus on me and I am the way that the Torah is meant to be. You have to focus on me. So whenever we're looking at people that are not like us 100%, we tend to have some thoughts and we judge and it might not be on purpose. It might not be the, you know, like, oh yeah, I'm judging. Like, it might just, just like come naturally. It, you know, there was a, there was a story of a rabbi who was on a plane. And uh, there was somebody from the community that walked past by this rabbi. And they saw that this rabbi, you know, you have a rabbi, right? He's on the plane. You have to, you know, like, what would you think? All right. He has to be learning, you know, learning a safer. He has to be learning a book. That's obviously what he's doing, that he has to do. He's a rabbi. What else is going to do? And this rabbi was sitting and he was reading a newspaper. And, you know, this person came on the plane and he was looking at this rabbi and he was like, a rabbi reading a newspaper? Like, what? Like, is that even a rabbi? Like, should I even continue going to his class? Didn't want to say anything. But, like, this is something that, you know, like, pondered in his thing. Then, it, you know, the rabbi, they were flying to Israel. And, uh, it, you know, 
I'm not going to get into the discussion. Fortunately, unfortunately, they started making a minion on the you know the back of the plane, the front of the plane. They moved the the pilot out and said, "Excuse me, we have to dive in chakras. Please uh, step aside. Put it on autopilot. We need a private room." And you know they go and they and they started making a minion. And this guy is walking past the rabbi. The rabbi is not just not budging, sitting over there. And people are going over. You're like, you know, we're diving now. The rabbi's like, "Okay, thank you." And he sat in his seat. And this guy's like, "Oh well, look at this. This rabbi is not learning." And this rabbi is not davening with a minion. Pooh, wait until I get off. Thank God there was no Wi-Fi in this plane. Right? Uh, so, um, this guy, you know, goes, davens, goes back down, sits in a seat. And this guy is standing up right away. And this rabbi stood up also. And the guy sees that the rabbi's jacket is ripped. And the guy goes over to the rabbi and he says, what's, uh, you know, why is your jacket ripped? And he said, you know, his mother, this rabbi's mother just passed away. And he's going to bury the mother. And this guy suddenly, like, it suddenly hit him. He says, the rabbi is an onim. The rabbi is not able to pray, is not able to learn, is not able, he's in the process of the Avelis where he's not able to do, he's not allowed to do these things. He has to go and he has to wait until he buries it. And he was thinking the whole time, oh my gosh, I thought this rabbi was no longer a rabbi. In his mind, he was not going to his classes anymore. He was not even a rabbi anymore. How could he even have a position in the community anymore? He was going through so many judgments that he had already. And the scary part is those judgments actually led to actions. There were actions that were going to come out. Like he wasn't going to cause it. He was going to eventually, by accident, maybe by mistake, maybe he shouldn't have said it, like type of Lush and Hara that would have ended up passing on to other people. You know, like I I, I was one time in a... Uh, um, I was in a Shabbaton and I was this, we were in a hotel and some guy, you know, like, and I was giving a series of classes and this guy comes over to me after the, at Motzei Shabbos and he, he comes over to me and he says, you know, because I used to speak a lot in a certain particular community and that's what the Shabbaton was and he was like, you know, I never really liked you. And I'm like, nice to meet you too. Yeah, <laughs> it was good to know. And I'm like, go on, you haven't got my attention. And he says, I don't know. Yeah, you, you know, you gave classes. I never, I never showed up. I never came. And you know, just I don't know. I don't know why. And I said, you know, like this past Sh- Shabbos, you know, like I came to your classes, and uh, you know, I, I now I wanted to tell you I really like you. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, in my mind, I like think you want to be my friend. You know, like uh, you know, I was like thinking about, I'm like, I didn't tell this to him because it was, you know, like it was very nice of him to say certain things. Uh, other things was kind of nice. I don't know. I get whatever. Uh, but then I was thinking, like, this is a per- this is somebody who, like, initially he he had a for reasons, you know, I don't know. He didn't he didn't share that with me. He did. I probably should have asked him. Uh, but he just decided. He's not coming to any of my classes until he came to some of my classes. And then he decided, you know what? Now I'm coming to all your classes. And then he came. So like there was a judgment that came on there and maybe it was subconscious. Maybe he just didn't like the way my face looked. I don't know. Maybe whatever it was, it was like there was something went on over there. There was a, there was a judgment. And then that led to action for X amount of time until he came to a certain, you know, scenario situation where he, you know, participated in the classes. He enjoyed it. He liked it. And then he started coming, you know, to the classes. You know, and I, I, I just like a, just to give you another example, I say this example, you know, uh, quite often is where you have person A tells person B about person C, says, you know, person C, super lazy, right? Have you ever seen that? And person B is like, really? I don't know. I, I think person C has like a work ethic, like an ant, like he doesn't stop. Like he's like, like no other. And, but 
this thought that person C is is like lazy is like festering in his mind. It's like you know, it's a like growing in in this person's mind. And, you know, there could be like 10 years where person C is literally working like an ant, like, like nonstop, like the best work ethic, like has anybody ever seen. And then like one day he's got like the flu, the coronavirus and whatever the other thing that's going around is like the, the trifecta. And he's like slightly less like productive. And person B is like, oh, yeah, of course, because he's lazy. And this is like something that's said already like so much before. And why? Because... When someone tells us, this is like the, the, the huge effect of like Lush and Hara, right? That if someone tells us something, it kind of settles in our mind. And whether or not we believe it at a time, at a certain other point in time, if there's something that would substantiate that or something that would correlate that, that something that would, that would justify those words, it will be like, yeah, obviously. So what ended up happening is, and look how Lush and Hara works, is there's information that settles in the back of your mind, even if you don't believe it at that point in time. But like later, if you see something that justifies the first thing, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that makes that, that kind of makes sense. And I can tell you, I can give you an example after an example, you know, with, with these. There was once a guy that was, uh, um, you know, he was not even accused. He was like, one person said, yeah, maybe don't let your kids around this person. Like that, like that was the extent of it. And like, obviously, you know, okay, that, you know, like you should, you have to obviously take that into consideration. You know, you don't be like, yeah, yeah, Lushanara, Namikado, I don't believe it. You know, like go to the candies, go into the van, it's fine. You know, like obviously you have to go and you have to take your, your, you know, the precautions. But like for like months and if not years after that, all of a sudden this guy walks around and then just like hands, you know, somebody a lolly and be like, oh my gosh, I knew it. Here it is right over here. I'd be like, well, if somebody else would have done that, you wouldn't have said you know, two words out of that. But all of a sudden now, your mind is, 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 is blowing up. Like, okay, what's going on? Why? Because whether you believe it or not, and whether you think about it or not, we judge in our mind constantly. And this is not a class about judging favorably. That's, as I'm going to comment in a, in a later date in the Perkei Elbos. The, the class today really is not about judging favorably, which you should, but it's about judging slowly. Really, you shouldn't judge. But let's be honest, we're human and things, you know, faster. But the, the slow aspect of it, be deliberate in judgment, says the Mishnah, is that you consider all the facts. Meaning before you let something fester and plant in your mind, consider all the facts. Focus. Think about it. Judge about it slowly. Look at all the evidence that comes out. You know, um, Rav Tversky says that, you know, many people think that if somebody acts quickly, that's because, you know, they, you know, they accomplish a lot. They're not, they're not lazy would be the better. And, and if you, and if you act slowly, you're, that's a more of a lazier aspect of character trait. But really, it's the other way around, and it can be the other way around. Some people can act quickly, come to conclusions very quickly because they're lazy, because they don't want to deliberate, because they don't want to think about it, about what really the situation is. And that's why they come to a conclusion. And rather, somebody who is not lazy is somebody who goes and kind of, you know, like focuses on all the evidence and tries to come to the right conclusion. There is a, a great balance that we have to have. You know, at one point, 
You have people that make rash decisions very quickly, just go like, you know, just off the, off the cuff. And then you have the overthinkers that will take them about a year and a half to make a decision, uh, you know, of X, Y, and Z. So you have one guy who will make a decision within a split second and you have another person who will make a decision in a split year, about a split year. They'll make the same decision, but it'll take them about, about, about a year, you know, to do that. So the real, it's, it's the center. You have to have the right balance. You have to know that you can't jump to the right conclusion. You can't jump to the conclusions. So fast you have to look at all the evidence but at the same point in time once you have all the evidence and you have the conclusion you have to go and you have to pull you know you have to pull through so another aspect in judgment is that a judge is not allowed to take a bribe right it's impossible for a judge to judge fairly if he's if he's uh, you know he has some sort of bribe he's, he's blinded literally the, the, the Torah tells us that it's, it's it blinds the the judge but what about our own personal decisions? How many of our own personal decisions tend to be bribed by our own gratifications, by our own pleasures, by our own rationalizations? You know, we have, you know, like, like, have you ever came to like a certain, I don't know, you want to buy something, right? And, and it's really expensive. So you're like, how am I going to justify spending X amount of money on this Y product, right? I have, how am I going to buy a thousand dollar dress, right? Because I'm a man, I shouldn't be buying a thousand. But you guys, right? So why should you guys be buying a thousand dollar dress? Why, like, like, so you, I really need it. Why do you really need it? There's going to be weddings, and I need it for the weddings, and that's why I need it for the way. And you know, like, but really, a thousand dollars? I can't. But you know what? It's for my health. Like it's my emotional health. This is my this is my therapy. Uh, my therapy is swiping the credit card so sparks fly out. That's my therapy, right? My husband he'll take care of the the bills for it. But like a you, would you rather pay it to the therapist or would you rather pay it to sex? You know that that like it's therapy. After all, it's therapy. So we justify. We have things that we justify. And we say, oh yeah, you know what? Like we need this, and and we came to some sort of this is rationalization. Is this not bribe? If you stop for a second, think about that. You know, we have to come to some sort of conclusion, a judgment. Should I get this? Should I not? Should I say this? Should I not say this? And we justify based off our rationalizations. Someone's dating somebody. Oh, this comes up so often in dating. If someone's very good looking, very pretty, if they're at bad meadows, they kind of like, okay, but like, you know, like there's other things that, that weigh out. And, you know, if the person has a lot of money, they're like, okay, fine. They look like an elephant, but I'm saying, but they, 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 they could pay enough money that they could look like a good monkey. You know, like, so you could, you go, you start rationalization. You have all these things that come, and you come to, they come from a good family. So of course, so what happens? We're judging right then. You're sitting, if you, if you think you don't judge, if you have ever gone on a date ever, you've judged. Right, because like at the end of the day, that's where you are. You're at at your name got talent. That's what you are right here. I'm like, are you going to go to round two? Let's see. Like, perform for me. What's your talents? What do you have over here? And then you look, and then you see what you guys can do. I'd be like, well, you could juggle, but you not. You don't have good humor. Uh, you have a, you know good meadows. <laughs> but you look a little bit like a horse. You know, like so. We have these different things, and we're sitting here and we're judging. And when one thing sticks out. We tend to forget about everything else because we're rationalizing, but it's okay because, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. 
But it's okay because, you know, like, he's going to take care of me. She's going to, like, I, we have rationalization. This is bribery. We're judging and it's bribery. Where we're bribing ourselves. Now, is it bad? Is it good? I'm not going to say that's it. But at least you have to know about it. You have to be aware about it. And this is not only about judging others. How many times do we judge ourselves? How many times, like, some people grow so much. They succeed so much in their life. But they're always looking at their deficit of what I haven't done. On the flip side, you have people that have fallen so much, but they focus on the little things that they've done. They haven't kept Shabbos, they haven't kept kosher, they haven't learned that class, but I gave charity. You know, like, $18, sorority time, yeah, you know, like, I'm pretty sure, you know, Hashem's gonna open the doors to heaven and be like, 18 that's high, high for you, you know, come right in. You know, like, it, we, we judge ourselves in both ways. And we have to know where and how to judge ourselves correctly. The Mishnah says, have a misunim, but then be deliberate in judgment. Meaning that initially, thoughts come into our mind. Judgments come into our mind. We come to some sort of conclusions, some sort of decisions, some sort of, some sort of like, 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 you know, conclusions. But many times, that is hastily, that is quickly. Many times, it's inaccurate because we were bribed. Many times, it's inaccurate because we rationalized. The, the the aspect of rationalization, um, there was this huge uh, Ponzi, you know, scheme artist, I don't know, whatever you call them, uh, stole billions of dollars. And, uh, you know, he had so many interviews and he ended up giving so many rationalizations for stealing. So uh, the way Ponzi schemes, you know, work is that they, they're supposed to take money, people's, well, they take people's money and they should be investing it and then giving the profits, the dividends, depending how the, the, the structure has worked out back to the, um, back to the, you know, uh, you know, the person, the investor. And uh, what, what Ponzi scheme are, you know, I don't know if they call them artists, whatever it is, uh, you know, but what Ponzi scheme disasters people do is that they take the money, and then instead of paying back the investors, they started paying back the other investors. So they're circulating the money. So people see like, oh my gosh, he's making so much money and they give him more and more money. So when they, when they interviewed this, you know, this, this, uh, this person in, in prison, he gave so many rationalizations. Uh, he literally took people's money and he gave it away to other people. You know, at, to a certain extent, I mean, again, it's not stealing to, to level of, it's stealing, but I'm saying there's, there's levels of, you know, stealing, but he would, he, he basically took people's money and a lot of people lost their, their money into it. And the justification that he gave was, he was like, yeah, well, the market is rigged anyway. So what does that have to do with you? Like, no, it's all like, like, did I really do something bad? And then he goes and says, you know, like, I tried to give the money back. Like, I really, I wanted to give the money back. The, they didn't let me. They said, no, we're family, we're friends. You're not going to invest my money. And, you know, like, I want to give it back. They forced me. How am I supposed to do? And then he goes and he says, it was their fault. Why do they trust me? And I'm like, I'm like reading this. I'm like, what do you mean? Why do they trust you? You're literally that's what you're presenting yourself as. You're presenting yourself as someone that should be trusted with money. That is your profession. That is what you do, right? It's imagine going to a therapist and the therapist was a psychopath and be like, I don't know why they came to me. Probably because of the letters after your name that you went to school for, and then you you know that all those fancy letters of the ABC that is after your name that you paid hundreds of thousands of years for and dollars for, you know, to have that put in your name, that's why they're coming. Why do they trust you? Because of that. That's why they trust you. He goes on further and he says, well, my clients were wealthy anyways. It wouldn't have bothered them. He says, none of my clients would have been, none of my clients would have been crying poverty. 
How is that? So you see how people, people, we justify so much. And this sounds like, you know, extreme. You have murderers that justified it. You have, you have people that do the worst thing and justify it. And that's really, those are extreme cases. But when we look at our own life, we justify so much, so much. I like, if you would break down your own life, you would see how much you would, you justify yourself for all these different things that you do. So we judge and we judge and we judge. And really, we shouldn't judge. But if the truth of the matter is we're going to judge, at least be slow, deliberate, but in judgment. The Meiri says in regards to judges, you know, like, if something is unclear, if you're not sure of something, whether it's in your personal life or whether you're judging a case, you're a judge, you should obviously postpone the judgment until the verdict is clear. That's obvious that you have to do it. That's not what the Mishnah is telling us. The Mishnah doesn't need to tell us that, oh, if you're not sure about the conclusion of your judgment, don't judge him. That's obvious. What the Mishnah is telling us is that even if it's clear, even if it's very clear the judgment that you're making in your life or the judges are making in their you know, court case, even if it's a clear-cut case, do not rush says the Meiri. That is what the Mishnah is telling us. Do not rush. Focus. Look. See if you're really making the right decision. And the Meiri goes on and says something fascinating. He says that, you know, an upright person, he would feel the outcry of the oppressed person. Meaning the, the someone that's a good person. Generally, they, they vote for the underdog, right? Uh, if you look at the war, let's say Ukraine and Russia, uh, why are a lot of people pushing for Ukraine, they're the underdog. Okay, maybe Russia went and they preemptively went in a, in a, in a strike on their thing. Okay, well, you know, you have different, different uh, you know, reasons for that. Um, uh, and I don't have, I, I, I don't, I really don't listen to the news. I, I really don't know what's going on. And this may not even be an issue. I don't even know. Like, Ukraine might not even be, like, it might be part of Russia for all I know. Like, that's how bad I am with, uh, you know, with news. So, but, but in a sense, like, why is it that we focus on the underdog? Cause, cause we're, we're good people, right? We're good people. We want to fight. Like, why is the underdog? No, we don't want the, the underdog to many novels, many, uh, uh, um, uh, I don't know even what, what are they called? The people that make movies, uh, the, the script, the people that write, whatever, right? The people, they, what do they do? They, they make the audience or the, the readers like this is the underdog and the underdog is going to win at the end of the thing whether it's football whether it's fight whatever it is they're going to win they start off low and they end off because we vote we fight for the underdog because we want the underdog to to win so what happened if you have an upright person and there's someone that comes into the court case and they give the certain you know judge you know like the the, the you know the case presents themselves and you're like okay but but this guy what a nebuch you know what a what a like let me like, obviously my vote is for this is for this person on the flip side, let's say you have someone with a twisted person, a twisted mindset. That person would look at the person who is an, the aggressor. And he says, wow, look at this aggressor. Like, you know, his wife is not listening to him. And after all the beatings, she's still not listening to him. Like, after all the time, after all the stairs that he pushed her down. You know how hard it is to push up? You know, like, he's like, I feel, you know, like, so if you have a twisted mindset, you're going for the aggressor. If you have a right mindset, you're going for the underdog. So you're sitting over there. So automatically automatically your mindset gets pushed to one side. That's why the Mishnah cautions the judges and the, our people. Also, we see something, we judge something almost immediately without looking at all the evidence. And maybe I shouldn't use Russia and Ukraine because I really don't, I'm not saying that Russia is right. I'm not saying Ukraine. I really have no idea what's going on over there. All right? oh, but, at, you know, at, at, at the 
end of the day, we come to so many situations in our lives where there is, you know, there is so many aspects where it depends on our personality and our upbringing and how we judge a certain case. If somebody was in an abusive relationship, even slightly, and they hear about even a trigger word of an abusive relationship, they would automatically side with that person. Like, there's no question, of course, based on my, and that's why the, the Mishnah is telling us, be deliberate. You have to, you have to take your, 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 your own history and put it on the side and look at really the facts at, you know, at, at you know, what that's standing in front of you. You know, give you another example. Um, you look at liberals, right? Left people more towards the left. They consider themselves really good people, like to the point that they accept everyone, right? It's everyone should be accepted the way that they are, right? The way that you are, I will accept you. You identify as a cat, I will meow at you. You know, like I will scratch, I'll pick you up by the back of your ears, whatever you want, because I am a good person and I identify with your needs and I am amazing and I have an ego and I love everybody and I blah, 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 da, 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 da. I have the, but in essence, the liberals are the biggest hypocrites. They are the biggest hypocrites because you know who they like? You know who they that People that think like them. What happens if you have someone who's a lover of Torah, a lover of Hashem, who goes and says, wait a minute, this person cannot identify as a cat or something else, whatever, of a different opposite gender or of the same gender because that's not the way that the world works. They, do you think they, I identify as somebody who identifies a cat as not a cat, as a human being. What would a liberal person come and say to me if I tell that person that he's not a cat, he's a human being? And that person, I'm a mean person. You know, I'm an aggressor. I am, you know, a bunch of bad words they would they would throw at me. So meaning that you're not accepting of it. Why are you not accepting of me that I don't accept of you and I don't accept of that person? If you accept of that person, you should be accepting of me. I have my own my own mindset. You should be very accepting of me. Why you have a mindset, you know, like you're accepting of the other person? You know, like, like, and that's why the, the hypocrisy is so disturbing to me because they consider themselves the greatest people, the best people, the most accepting people, but only if they believe in themselves, only if they have themselves. America, look at America to this day and age, is so split between Republicans and Democrats that it was never in the history of, the, of, of America was like that. It was never so split. It was never so that you have one fight fighting for the other. You have the conservatives. You have the right. You have the left. And they're fighting against each other so much. And what's bothering me, like, you have people that they think of themselves as the greatest gift to humanity. And the greatest, the, the lover of all mankind. Yet they only love people that think like them. If you don't think like them, if you don't act like them, if you don't speak like them, then they don't like you. You look at it, you know, like... What what bothers me, you know, like you look at, for example, CNN. I don't know. I probably say Machshemah, whatever. Like you look at a news organization that is obviously very left, very, very liberal. Again, my knowledge in this is not, you know, like I don't delve a lot of this. And this is based off my, I may be wrong. I don't think I am in this scenario. I may be wrong on many other things. But in this scenario, I don't think I'm wrong. But because I don't focus a lot on the news, I want to give that little, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, just FYI. People that, they're, they're very left, they're very liberal, they're very well accepting of everybody else. And when you look at the way that they interpret news, and 
I say that word very, very carefully. They interpret news. They don't deliver news. And I'll give you an example. Recently, there was a terrorist attack in, not recently, I don't know, maybe it was back in April of last year, so maybe a little, almost a year ago, uh, where a, fam- a family or part of the family, I don't know all the details in it, I apologize for that, um, were murdered in cold blood. How did CNN present this, this news? In a shootout between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Shootout. There were children, there was, I, I believe there was a mother and children that died. They did not have guns. They did not shoot back. If a shootout is happening in one direction, that's not called a shootout, right? That's called a terrorist attack or murder in cold blood. But yet, how did CNN decide to go and it's a shootout? It's a shootout. And now on that, there, there was somebody that came on. Again, I don't have all the information. I probably should have looked at all the information. But I, this is something that I, I heard about today. And this is why I'm bringing it up. There was uh, um, there's a lawyer that, that that's suing now, or there's a group of people that are suing CNN. They're suing CNN for you know defamation, whatever it is, a bunch of bunch of things that they're suing them. Be like, how do you call it a shootout? How do you do that? And then they came out with an apology. They came out with an apology afterwards. Oh, it wasn't a shootout. It was really like a one-sided attack. It was a straight-out terrorist attack where you had a person came and murdered innocent people. That is called terrorism. And it was for ter- – why can't you say it like that? Aren't you a good person, a liberal? Aren't you Aren't you loving of all men? Then why is it and how is it that you can selectively decide what to listen to and what to not? Because in essence, the truth of the matter is, is that the liberals, they're not good people. They tend to think that they're good. Because you want to know how you're a good person? If you listen to God, that makes you a good person. You listen to the Almighty. What a liberal thinks. A liberal thinks, okay, this is what I think is right, and this is why they do it. And that's why it's right if this person decides he wants to be a man, he wants to be a female, whatever it is that he wants. That's according to, you know, according to him. He wants to be a cat, you have to, you know, identify him. Oh, this person, he loves Hashem, he loves the Torah. Oh no, this we're not going to stand for. Look, no. Like, that doesn't make you a good, that makes you a, a bad person. You don't listen to the Torah, you don't listen to Hakadish Baruch, you don't listen to God. That doesn't make you a good person. That makes you a bad person. So here you have somebody that is judging people left and right. And they think that they're coming to the right conclusions. But where, what conclusions they're coming from? They come from their own conclusions, things that they made up and things that are so obvious. You could see how blinded and how bribed we can be. Where you have news anchors that their job, their job is to tell you the news. Their job is not to tell you what they think of the news. Their job is to deliver the news. This is what happened. But what happens when you have somebody who gives their own twist to things? That's because they judge the situation and this is what they decided. Why is it that in the CNN world, Palestine is considered the underdog? And Israel is not. Like, literally, the attacks happen one way. Imagine this scenario came to court in a family court where a husband is beating a wife and the husband is known as the Nebuch. Like, she made him because, you know, like, she was planting some plants where his gaming system is. You know, like, she was settling in the area that he paid, you know, like, like, are you kidding me? Like, are, like, like, weird. This, and how do people come to the conclusion of be like, this is right. I come to, the, you know why? Because 
we bribe ourselves. We justify ourselves. We listen and we hear what people say and we come justified. Can you blame the entire world for listening to CNN? They don't know two things about it. CNN, you can blame. The world, can you really blame? They don't know. This is what they hear. Someone from, you know, Arkansas. Someone from, from Kansas. Granted, before you judge, you have to be deliberate in judgment, but this is the information that they're given. So we see over here that the information that we're, that, that is given to us, we are constantly, constantly judging and we're constantly coming to some, to, you know, to conclusions. And not only that, we come to such scary conclusions. You look at somebody who's a liberal, who's a left, they think they're a good person. How scary is it for us if we come up after 120 and we think we were such a good person? You know, we were great. We did X, we did Y, we did Z, we did everything with what we thought the Torah meant for us. But we come up over there and be like, the Shabbat will be like, wait, you think you're a good person? Like, look at what you, and he shows us the real you. He shows us the real us of like what we really did. Like, you know, it's easy for us to point and say, oh, CNN, bad. Liberals, bad. They're not, they're not following the Baruch But how many times do we point to ourselves and we say, wait a minute. Like, are we doing what's right? Are we focusing or are we so prejudiced? Are we are we so bribed that we come to some gold sort of conclusions that just like CNN thinks that they're right, just like liberals think that we're right, we think we're right also. Says the Mishnah, having misunim badin, be very deliberate in your judgment. Look hard. Look hard at what's, what, how you come to your conclusions. Do you really come to the conclusion that you're really a good person? Are you really a good person? Maybe you are. But maybe you're not. Maybe there's something that you can improve on. Maybe there's something that you could focus on. But the moment that we judge ourselves to the aspect that we are very quick and hasty to judge, we very, very often come to the wrong conclusions. You know, Rabbi... Tversky, Rabbi Dr. Tversky, to just give a little bit of a background, he was a psychiatrist. He was a very, very well-to-do, uh, um, you know, very worldly person, very intelligent person. He was one time in an airport, famous story, he was one time in an airport, and he sat next to this very, very obviously self-hating Jew, I guess would be the right word. And this guy does one of those, you know, I don't know what, what it's called, the up-and-down look. Um, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure women have a terminology for it, uh, but it's like, maybe it's a once over. They're like, you know, like you do like the, you know, and then all of a sudden this guy, this guy starts speaking in fluent, not doesn't look from, he starts being fluent Yiddish. How is it that you people, you go over here and you dress like the olden days and you go over here and, and, and in, in fluent Yiddish, he's going, you're Back in the medieval ages, and what is this? This is Purim for you over here. Look how ridiculous you look. This is an embarrassment for the Jews. Why don't you dress like a civilized being? And Rabbi Tversky, uh, which, you know, unbelievable, so amazing. Oh, I wish I could be there for the story. Uh, he looks at this person and he says in a perfect English accent, he goes, he says, I fail to understand what I'm saying. You know, is there something that's bothering you? Perhaps you're mistaking me for somebody else. And he looks at him and says, you do realize that I am Amish, don't you, right? This is a traditional mode of dress that we have preserved throughout the generation. And he's speaking to them in like this Amish English accent. 
And this Jew looks at them and he's like, they. he says, I beg your pardon. He says, I didn't realize that you're Amish. You look so much like Hasidim, I, like a Hasidic guy. Like, I have nothing but respect for you and your people for keeping your ways and bowing to society's, you know, pressures and wills and whims. You are no, nothing but praises. Now, Rabbi Dr. Tversky responds to him in fluent Yiddish. And he says, aha, so if I were Amish, you would have nothing but respect for me in fluent Yiddish. But now that I'm a Jew, you are ashamed of me. And he goes to him and he says, hopefully one day you will have the same respect for yourself as you have for others. Because how many times do we see somebody else and it hits a chord and we judge and the second we realize, oh, wait a minute, they're not like what we, we all of a sudden we switch our mindsets 180 degrees. Uh, this guy was hating this rabbi for looking like that. And in a split second, when he found out the information that this is a Amish, Amish guy and not a rabbi, a hundred, he had nothing but respect. How do you go from one aspect of respect, from like hatred to all of a sudden respect? It's simple judgment that we have in our, in our mindset. This is judgment that we constantly have. And this is judgments that we constantly, you know, constantly do. I don't know what I was thinking because I didn't even get halfway through what I wanted to speak about, you know, tonight. You know, tonight. So we're going to have to split this up into another, another class. But I do want you to take at least one thing away and how easy it is. And we'll continue with this, this author show next week. How easy it is to slip our minds. Our minds are so powerful. It's scary. It's scary how powerful our minds are. That we have the ability to see something as amazing and see something as destructive if our mindset just switches. It's so scary how we could live our day-to-day life happy or depressed depending on our mindset. It's fascinating on how much we play our own games on ourselves. We tell ourselves we're bad. We tell ourselves we're good. We tell ourselves we're nothing. We tell ourselves we're amazing. We have this so much. And the Mishnah is telling us, be deliberate in judgment. Don't come to your conclusion so fast. Focus. Look at the evidence. Look into reality and see. And then, only then, come to the conclusions. There's quite a few more things that I want to speak about in this topic. But, Bezat Hashem, due to the late hour, we will have to end. And Bezat Hashem will continue uh, you know, next week. So we'll go through very, very quickly through the questions. Because I do have to um, jump off in about 10 minutes or so. Okay. Um, first questions. First question. My position, I think you are a good position to tell Torah anytime how they could increase the donation. I donated in the past a few hundred dollars and didn't get a thank you. Ooh, that's a good point. So maybe think of my donation isn't important to this group. Maybe I'm wrong and there should fix, and, and, and should fix that. But I think they could do more to follow the donors. So, uh, you know, like, I definitely agree with you. There's a definitely, when, when people donated to, you know, to my page, if I missed you, I apologize, but I tried to make sure that I personally thanked every single person that gave, uh, you know, gave a donation, because I agree with you, that's right. And you know what, Blee Nether, I will um, message them on that. If it's this event, they didn't send a donation. I believe they generally have a, a, a generalized thank you uh, message you know, that comes in. But I may be wrong. But Blee Nether, I will try to bring that up to uh, Shimon. I see certain rabbis on YouTube not to any time. I did contribute $12 for the 12 times. That was all I could spare. <laughs> thank you. That's amazing. Thank you very much. Any amount counts because you became part of of the Torah Anytime family. 
That's the important aspect. Even if you donate a dollar, even if you don't, <laughs> when I was, um, when I was on the live event, I, you know, like, um, I believe it was Rabbi Ari Ben Chushan said a whole thing, and then I, I gave a whole thing that everyone should donate five dollars. And afterwards, I went out, and there were and and they, came, uh, you know, I, I believe it was Ruben. He came out, Ruben and Shimon, the two founders. He's like, I don't know why, you know, like people are just donating five dollars now. I'm like, oh, that you know, so that worked. That was amazing because that's what I said. He's like, oh wait, you said that? He says we have a twelve dollar minimum donation because of the you know the the fees and things like that. I'm like, I wish you would have told me that. I, I five dollars. I literally pulled that out of the hat, you know, like I, I I didn't, you know, I just like. You know, message that. But the idea behind a small donation is that even if it's a small donation, at least you become part of the organization. That's why I love, let's say, for example, uh, um, daily giving. Daily giving is it's even a small. You become part of so many organizations. Okay. Um, it develops into communism and then real violence starts because they are only good with people with good judgment. I'm assuming you're talking about liberals. I, I don't know, but whatever it is, I can't say good or bad, but I think if you're talking about liberals, then I'm with you <laughs> on that. Question, what is the proper way to handle a suspicion, a suspicion that was planted in one's mind by what someone said? For example, someone tells you about someone doing a horrible act. The thought automatically comes to mind when you see a person or even hear its name. So this is really a question on, on Lashon Hara in that aspect. Um, if someone tells you something negative and you don't believe it, there's not, there, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have concern from it. So, so let's say, for example, someone says, oh, this person, don't ever give him money, he's a thief. So that doesn't mean that you should believe that, but it doesn't mean that you should be like, oh, wait, you want me to co-sign your mortgage or you want me to give you a $10,000 you know, loan? It, obviously, it's something that you have to contemplate. You have to think out, but you don't have to come to, to action. And in fact, that question is a perfect for this Mishnah because you have to be deliberate. You have to look at all the aspects and you have to think, you have to think about it. Now, there is such an important aspect that, that I... <sighs> I wish we could we could focus on the, the real truth of the matter is is that when all the, we shouldn't be judging we shouldn't because we can't judge somebody until they come to their into their shoes like we can't judge somebody but the truth of the matter is and and you know maybe at one point we'll speak about not judging people but the human nature is that even if you work on that there will come a time that you judge and you have to figure out to judge the right the right way there's really a lot to speak about that, but okay. Um, oh, this is a year. Okay, fine. Oh, last, last thing one. Is there a link to donate? Absolutely. If you go to Tor anytime, I, there's a donate button and you could donate over there. And I believe that the, the, it might even still be up the whole, you know, you know, banner over there. If it is, definitely, definitely donate. And I'll tell you why it's so important to, you know, to donate to such organizations. They, they, send out so much don't you want to be a partner with them like they are to my knowledge the biggest like what other organization is is as big as them in the american speaking world you know spreading torah i mean maybe there's others i i don't know i i don't think there's anything as big as them i think hands down they're the biggest um and i find it as a as a merit I, i feel privileged to be part of the of you know of the Torah time family like like besides the fact that I'm I'm close with everyone over there like you know that they're, they're amazing pe- they're really amazing people like I was there when was the event Sun Sunday Monday it was Monday it was Monday the event was Monday like I went into the studio over there on Monday you literally got hugged by everybody 
it was uh, it, it, like that. You, you have to realize how good Torah anytime people behind people are. You know, you talk about the Kalyaka brothers. You talk about Mayor Summers. You're talking about Yosef Davis. You're talking about like like everybody. Like even the like they are amazing people. I mean, I, I only have praises to speak for Torah anytime. Um, and you know, like it, it's something that you know if you have the ability to partner up with them, and you don't, you know. Like, be deliberate in that judgment. Like, think about it, you know, why not? $10, like, whatever. Some, just, like, be a part of such an amazing organization. Okay, time is late, and I really do have to jump off. But I want to thank everybody for joining. I want to thank everybody for, uh, you know, for coming. Until, uh, you know, until next, uh, until next week, may everyone have an amazing, most successful week. What? Well, one last question came in. So let's do that, and then we'll cut it off. I... I don't know if cut off was the right word, but whatever. I often get confused on this topic. I know we shouldn't judge, but we constantly need to. For example, allowing which kids to be around your kids, what yeshiva to go to, don't we still need to? A hundred percent. A hundred percent we need to. We we need to we, we do. We need to focus on certain things. We need to we do need to judge on certain aspects. You know, like sending your kids to yeshiva. At the end of the day you do need to judge on that. So um but we have to judge correctly. You meaning like you just want to be like, oh well, I don't want to judge which yeshiva so whatever, you know, I'll send the closest one. No, obviously these things that you do need to, but you have to do it in the right in the right way. Um oh and one final thing it just came because it's personal. My vision is better by Hashem so but I don't know why. Like the past like few hours I was trying to like review my my information i was like i don't know why i can't see well but baruch hashem you know during this happens to be i I gotta tell you guys something once even if i if i'm learning by myself and if i'm like you know i'm sick or whatever it is i'm doing it like when i'm have the ability to stand in front of people like you guys and give a share and give a torah class so many issues just just melt away it melts away. So it's it's a thank you to you guys. I don't know. I hope my vision will be still good after I finish this class. But Baruch Hashem, at, during this year, it was 100%. So thank you all much. It's probably in your skulls because it's definitely not in mine. So thank you all. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for joining. And thank you all for listening. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.